suicide. It's not easy to talk about, but in the wake of another Hollywood suicide, we thought it was time to do a mental health check-in for this time of year, because while it's a wonderful time of year for many of us, for many others, it's not. Also today, it's Thursday, which means small town salute. We went to Holiday Mountain this year because, as it turns out, they will be open for the season. A new survey from Cineplex has a shocking headline. Latest survey from Cineplex finds holiday movies are a much-loved tradition for Canadians. You don't say. But we use that as a springboard to chat about your favorite Christmas movies and, more specifically, why they're your favorite. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's hopefully back tomorrow. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, December 15th podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. Got to tell you right out of the gate, Loren, uh, maybe even start with a preemptive apology. I'm a little little off this morning. I was, going to, I was like ready to go to bed just before 7 o'clock last night. I was like, oh, I'm tired. I, mm-hmm. I should just go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, oh, it's Wednesday. The finale of Survivor is on. Oh, so you got to stay up. So and I had, you can't tape that, right? That's not something you can record and watch like I know you can record it and watch later but those finales do you feel like you have to watch it live kind of yeah because uh it's dep- well it depends how invested you are and I, I'm super invested in Survivor and it's the kind of thing that can be very easily spoiled mm-hmm. on social media or even just you know by nature of where we work you know we have access to a newswire and I remember I ruined an episode of Survivor just by reading on like a one of our news watch scripts sure so yeah I, I was like oh I gotta stay up and watch this finale and it's a two-hour finale, and then there's the reunion show. So it's like I was up till 10 o'clock, <laughs> and then I fell asleep on my couch. I woke up at 3 o'clock, thank God, because I hadn't set any alarms. But I'm still wearing my contact lenses at 3 o'clock. I haven't charged my phone, so I've got like 5% left on my phone. I'm trying to find a charger. Matt Gabra points to this. They've got this multi-prong charger cord. Mm-hmm. It's got like six different chargers like on it, Swiss and none Army, of them fit. Swiss Army knife with cords, but, yeah, or like a Letterman, or what do you call those things that have like nineteen different? <laughs> yeah, the Swiss Army knife, right? But it didn't work for you. No. So anyway, if I if I seem off, that's why. But you're here. That's I, good. I had the opposite. I woke up. I had an actually decent sleep. Yay! Woke up and I was like, oh, I think I'll stay home with because the roads and and it's going to be dicey again today. And then, like, 45 minutes later, looked outside, and I was like, no, this is silly. I'm going in. And then as I was driving in, I was like, okay, this this drive's okay. Coming up 59, I saw sanders, I saw plows, I saw salt at some point, or I don't even know what's coming out of those trucks. It's a little slushy. So it's wet. But if it cools down, and it's going to over the next few hours, even just by a few degrees, that's going to be icy, and then more snow coming. So then I'm going to regret the drive home. Oh, uh-huh. Interesting. We but did, I'll did. be honest. You know what I came for today? The staff lunch. The staff lunch. <laughs> like, I mean, I sent you a text saying, I'm coming in, Brad. I can't leave you alone in studio. But really what I was thinking is staff meatballs. Lunch. Yeah. No, I knew. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. You, you, you made the call to come in. Like, okay, if I leave now, I can still get in to do the show. And then I can stick around for the staff lunch. Uh, I understand we're getting sandwiches, um, which I know you're a big fan of. So. We're not. If we get sandwiches, they're going to hear about it. There'll be a sternly worded letter in the suggestion box. No. I suggest you stop serving sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, you, but you know what? You're on the subject of the if it cools off, it, it's going to be a spectacular mess because I went for a walk last night. We had Dan the Earl of Eli describe driving on Portage Avenue yesterday morning as like driving through a Slurpee. I felt like I was walking through a Slurpee. I just went for a walk around Osborne Village, just took a quick rip uh, up, up the street and then down Corridon, down, back down Nassau. Uh, but the sidewalk on Osborne was as messy, maybe the messiest I've ever seen. And I'm not complaining. I'm not pointing fingers saying, why isn't this clean? Of course, it's going to be a mess. But it was as slushy and goopy as I've ever seen it. And when that freezes, that's going to be a terrible mess. Yeah, so I think that would be my, that, that's my concern for anyone who's kind of leaving the house 7.30 and later. That's when things start to cool down 
drop below zero. We're just hovering at zero right now, and it's wet. It's only going to get to like minus one, minus two for the first few hours of the morning, but then it's going to start snowing again. And that's why we're going to – we have Iris Dick out on the road for Global News Morning. She's going to join us at some point just to speak to what's going on out there. We are going to talk to Weather Logics. The meteorologist there because he tweeted something out about the snow being so really wet yeah. for this time of year, which is such it seems like such an obvious statement, but I couldn't get over that myself when I stepped outside a few times yesterday, then went to get the kids, then we made snowballs and did a bunch of stuff in the yard and it was fabulous for fun. But it's it was it's like a spring type snow, it feels like. So we'll chat with him and then CAA is gonna join us because like there was cars in the ditches in a number of spots on my drive home south of the city yesterday after picking up the kids from school. And so I just wondered what they saw for service and what they're prepping for today. So we'll talk to them after 7. Yeah, I mean, I even checked in with my dad just to say to see, hey, how's the snow removal situation? Do you need, do you need a hand? Because that snow has got to be heavy. And he said, no, it's I'm, I'm doing okay. Just taking my time. Um, so, But again, dad, if you need help, just let me know. Shoot well, me a text. He'll have to go out there again today. So by tomorrow, he might be asking for help. Yesterday, sure, it's fine. Taking my time. Today, I got this, Brett. Tomorrow, Brett. Day three. Get over here. Get over here already, <laughs> would you? I know you go to the pub on Fridays, but not today. You're coming to T-Kona <laughs> to help out your dad shovel some snow. Uh, so that's coming up at 7.50. We'll get more on that with Scott from Weather Logics. And we are also reminded that we've got Jets tickets to give away. Ottawa Senators, Tuesday, December 20th, Canada Life Centre. Shania Twain tickets, November 7th. Canada Life Center 2023, and we'll tell you how you can win those at 645, but it does have to do with something that, well, I mean, we talk about it every year. How can you not talk about it? It's your favorite holiday movies because Cineplex has released a survey, the latest survey from Cineplex finds holiday movies are a much-loved tradition for Canadians. Wow, I'm really shocked by that headline. I had no idea, Loren. That people liked holiday movies? <laughs> yeah. And that there was a survey? And yeah. then survey says? First favorite holiday movie across the board. It didn't matter where they went, whether it was Alberta, B.C., Manitoba, Home Alone, across the board. Was number one. Yep. That would not have been my guess. No, no, I would. I I feel like it would have been National Lampoon's Christmas. Yeah, that was uh, number two mm-hmm. in multiple spots in Manitoba. It was uh, it was number two in Manitoba. So, so Home Alone was number one here as well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised. By I that like as well. Home Alone. Do not get me wrong. You hear that music and you immediately think Christmas. And that scene where Kevin runs down the stairs and his mom's at the door waiting for him. Oh, that gets me. But not as much as. Cousin Eddie gets me. Yeah, I, th- I, pr- I I would if I had to pick out of the two, I'd go Home Alone. But I know a lot of people are. Um, I might even fans go Elf. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that I was, love Elf. That's uh, that was number two in many spots and number three in others. Number was it Manitoba was Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, and a Christmas Story in Manitoba. <laughs> Another stark reminder yesterday that um, you never really know what people are going through. If you've ever watched the Ellen DeGeneres show, you probably know him. I would like to introduce you today to our guest DJ. It's my favorite dancer, Twitch, everybody. Steven Twitch Boss was the in-house DJ for Ellen's show and later became a co-executive producer on the show. We learned yesterday he had died by suicide at the age of 40. He was a warm, smiling presence, a likable guy, talented guy. I remember him as a contestant on So You Think You Can Dance. He was just one of those people who lit up a room. So when I saw that he died by suicide, I was stunned. Now, we're not going to speculate on what happened or why it happened, but we do want to use this news to have an important conversation about suicide because while this is a festive time of year for many, for many others, it is not. It's a difficult time. So let's discuss this with psychologist, our friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman. Raymond, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you very much for joining us to talk about this, uh, Raymond, because we mentioned off the top, you never really know what people are going through, especially at this time of year. You know, it's, it can be easy to assume that everyone loves December, but that's just not the case, is it? It isn't the case, actually. And, and I'm not sure what contributed to um, Twitch's death or to his suicide, um, you know, whether it was the holidays or there was more happening, but that's exactly the point, is that difficulties tied to suicide and mental health are invisible. And there are times where we just don't have answers. And it's very important to remember that, you know, 
things aren't always what they appear on the surface and that we need to be considering what else is happening in people's lives. How do we manage that then, Raymond? Because we often talk about the idea if we know somebody who's struggling, we should make sure we reach out. If I have a friend who I know might be lonely, reach out. But 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 you don't know. You just use the word invisible. So how do I navigate that when everybody could be struggling? Well, I I think it's how we choose to deal with how we choose to deal with each other. And I think um, Twitch's death particularly talks about men and mental health. And we often tend to talk about access to care, services. And while that's all important, what also needs to change is our culture and how we talk about mental health and particularly we talk about men. We know that men are more likely to complete a suicide. We know that men are actually much more emotional than women in certain situations. Um, but we just don't talk about it. There's no room for men to be who they're supposed to be. I work with a lot of men, uh, some who uh, are police officers, uh, who are known in many ways to be the machoist kinds of individuals, and there's no place for them to be human because we, in some ways, marginalize men and their emotions and what we expect out of them. Toxic masculinity is not just tied to men, it's tied to society and how we look at men and the room that we leave for men and boys to be human beings and to have emotions. And so I think, to answer your question, we need to really create room for men to have these conversations. Suicide is a very difficult thing to talk about, and we need to, and it is in some cases, in some communities, an epidemic. So when we work to resolve those problems with suicide, we need to think that we're working not just for people like Twitch, but we're looking forward to other people as well, too, to to change the culture of men, mental health, and masculinity. Now, Raymond, regardless of what time of year it is, if, if we get the sense that someone we care about is struggling, like, should we try to help? I.e., if we want to help, how do we do it without being invasive? I, I think we'd be there for people. I, I don't think there's ever anything as too invasive when it comes to checking in on people. You know, uh, it's never too late to give a gift, as they say. And it's never a bad thing to check on people, double-check or ask them. We have a culture of wanting to be quiet and leave people's private business to be their private business. And, you know, a lot of times people are just looking for a place to be able to talk. And I would say especially that's the case for men uh, where they don't have that space. I reach out. I I talk to my friends all the time. I I make a point. And, And I wasn't always that way. The more I did this job, the more I realized I needed to be out there for the people in my life and, and sometimes the people who aren't really involved, so to speak, in my life on a regular basis, but people I just touch base with. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have a saying in my culture that a smile is charity, a kind word is charity. And when we think about the psychological impact of that, it's actually quite profound. A simple, small thing like that can go a very long way. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, adults here, but I was saying last month there's some deeply concerning numbers in the States in relation to kids and their mental health. And so if there's anyone out there listening right now, they're hard conversations to have, Raymond. And I like to think the next generation is doing a much better job because they're way more proactive in schools with this kind of mental health talk. And yet we're seeing some concerning trends in youth as well. So how do we tackle that? Well, I mean, this is really a box for me. Um, I think we talk the talk, but I mean, even even in my own profession as psychologists, I think people just don't tend to believe that these problems exist. Um, and it is incredibly frustrating because uh, people, there. I, I think there are situations where bias show up, bias show up with, uh, we know that how mental health is perceived for men and boys of color, uh, for people of color, for, for men in general. Um, we tend to ignore it. We, we think that these problems don't exist. Physicians will talk about, oh, it'll be fine. Boys will be boys. And we have this attitude. There's an, a lyric in, um, in a John Mayer song, you know, um, boys will be fine. They, they soldier on. It's embedded in our culture, and there really is a shift. So the way we approach this stuff is that we talk about it. We believe people when they say they're not feeling well. When they say they've been through things, we believe them. And suicide and mental health are not just tied to genetic issues. In fact, more and more of the research is talking about how suicide and depression are tied to social issues and the circumstances that people face. And so when people say they're struggling, we need to believe them. And that goes 
from, you know, any average person in society right up to those psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health providers who often still won't believe that these things do exist when people say, I'm struggling. And instead, people will often say, well, they're being manipulative. There's never such thing. If somebody says that they're struggling, they're struggling. Raymond, we'll have to leave it there. But we thank you very much for joining us today to discuss this. It's a tough topic, uh, but it's an important one, and it's never the wrong time to talk about it. So thank you, Raymond. Always uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you. Take care. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman joining us live on 680 CJOB, psychologist. And if you need help, know someone who needs help, the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line is one 6366 That's 1-877-330-6366. Another good resource is the Sarah Riel Warm Line. That's 204-942-9276, 942-9276, or sarahriel.ca. Those numbers too, the Suicide Prevention Line, they'll take your call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and... I want to thank Dr. Raymond for spelling it out like that, man. Sometimes you need to hear the harsh truth that if someone says they're hurting, don't push it aside. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We have the results of a survey here from Cineplex. Bumbling burger, burglars. Sorry, I was thinking about burgers. Um, bumbling burglars, family chaos, and extra tall elves. <laughs> Canadians must watch holiday movies are Home Alone, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Elf. So we just decided to use this as a springboard to ask you, what's your favorite holiday movie and why? And if you have a story associated with that, that makes your chances even better of winning tickets to see Shania Twain on November 7th at Canada Life Centre. So, let's go. Why don't we start with co-host of The Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun. Well, a lot of Christmas movies have a, a Grinchy or a Scroogey kind of character that starts off all uh, grumbly and bad and ugly and mean. And then they, you know, are revealed to have a heart of gold. The spirit of Christmas sets in. And I think my favorite example of that uh, is in Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. <laughs> you are really Santa, right? No, I'm an accountant. I wear this f***ing thing as a fashion statement, all right? Okay. Marcus, get this kid out of here. He's freaking me out. <laughs> it is a beautifully vile performance. Like, uh, the, the, the profanity that he lays down in this thing is just poetry in the way it comes out of uh, Billy Bob's mouth. So uh, there's a lot of really good clips, and none of them are fit for the air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched that movie in full. I don't think I have either. Well, it has a happy ending. People will get turned off by how miserable he is, but uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that at the end he uh, kind of pulls through and uh, does something nice. Did you see the sequel? I have not yet seen the sequel. The, I feel like not much good can come out of that, but uh, I'll have to check it out sooner or later. But the first one is, for me, just a classic. Ross Levitan in for Cam Poitras. What you got? I mean, right when uh, I knew that the Couch Potato co-host Jeff Braun was going to be here, I got a little nervous because you don't want to disappoint him, right? <laughs> and I didn't want to take one of the ones that Cineplex already named. Obviously, Elf's a classic. That would probably be my number one. But just for nostalgic purposes, somebody's got to say Home Alone, right? I mean... The creativity of that young man, and uh, and I just love the plot to it. I think it's uh, it's it's just a good one. So I'll, I'll go with Home Alone. Well, and hey, Home Alone was the number one in, across the country. Yeah, the for second a good reason, thir- right? Yeah, I mean, I, and I remember when that movie came out, and I saw that I I can't remember what I was watching, like Siskel and Ebert or something, and they were previewing it, and I thought, well, that looks cute. Uh, <laughs> never did I anticipate it would become like the, the worldwide global phenomenon uh, that the like the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra does it every year now. They they show the movie and they play the music live. It's yeah. One of those spots too. I feel like there's a, there's a spot in San Francisco too for Full House, but like people will go to the Home Alone house. I think yeah. it's in Illinois. You know, it's like almost a landmark now. I think that's kind of where you get transcending from from movie into real life, where people are trying to go hunt down the the setting. And 1990 it came out. So that starts when I was young and then you're younger and you're still watching it and it keeps carrying on, right? Plus it's a great one for the family, like even adults watching it with your kids again. You love it. 
Yeah. I love that movie. The one the only thing I really hate about that movie is at the end when they're the family is all reunited and the mom like two minutes after seeing her son for the first time and how long after everything she went through, then the first thing that comes to mind is, Oh, we need to go shopping. We don't even have milk. Like, really? <laughs> That's your concern? Not the 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 health and safety of your boy. Kids your, gotta eat. Yeah. Anyway, that's dumb. Uh, Matt Abra. But they had to explain that he went shopping. (laughs) I know. It was all very contrived, obviously. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, for me, I judge Christmas movies differently than I judge movies basically, right? You know, in that I feel like you have to judge it based on how well it captures the Christmas spirit, you know, stuff like that. So I'm going to go with an old classic, which is pretty old, but I just saw it for the first time actually about a year ago. And that is uh, Bing Crosby's Holiday Inn from 1942, and this movie is often very confused for the uh, other movie, White Christmas, Mm. because Holiday Inn actually was the first movie to have the song White Christmas, but then it was reinstituted for uh, White Christmas a couple years later, so I just want to make that very clear. But this is just a delightful movie. Completely captures, as I say, the uh, Christmas spirit, and uh, it's very funny, very sweet, very romantic, and just a great old classic movie with a lot of snow if you're going to go for a Christmas movie this year. I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Where did you watch it? Like, on what platform? Uh, you know what? I think it's probably on that Mubi right now, because they got a lot of those... Uh, Mubi with a B? Isn't it? Yeah. Is it Tubi or Mubi? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's probably both. It's probably, it's probably words both. at this point. These no, aren't no, even they're, real words. They're both things. Tubi and Mubi are both things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but actually, maybe I'm thinking Tubi, though, because Tubi, I think, is more of the classics. Mubi's a little bit more for the, uh, the foreign it films. It might also and this be is definitely not a foreign film. Turner Classic Movies as well. Okay. Sure, why yeah. not? But yeah, you can find it pretty easily, I bet you. It's just, yeah, it's such a great classic. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds great. And um, I, the one that I was going to lean into was actually uh, listener Tannis beat me to the punch. Tannis says, my favorite movie for Christmas is A Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. Tells <laughs> 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 a little kid singing Christmas carols to get out of here. But yeah, I remember, Tannis says, I remember watching it with my sister every year growing up. She's been gone five years now from cancer, and every time I watch it, I feel like I did when we watched it Aww. together years ago. So, Tannis, that's uh, that's wonderful to hear that the film brings back some some fond memories. Uh, can, sorry to hear about your sister. But, uh, yeah, that movie for me is one of my favorites, and the weird thing about it is I don't like watching it. It feels weird to just watch it now, whether it's on DVD or Blu-ray or if I were to find it on a streamer, because we taped it on TV and then we watch that VHS every year. So, like, I knew when the commercial breaks would kick in. So it's like, I now the first time I watched it on DVD, I thought, I can't. I don't want to do this. So one of the films we used to always watch as a family was Sound of Music. Yeah. And it was the same thing. We taped it on VCR. And then it had, like, seven or eight minute long commercials. Like, really long where they're milking it because they know you're sticking around. And it was a choir singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Yeah. And it was just – but then you'd watch through the commercial. So now I don't want to watch it without Go Tell It on the Mountain <laughs> yeah. on replay. So that that's one of my picks. But if I'm alone uh, or, more importantly, if my mom's around, my mom and I love the movie The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet and Jack Black. Uh, do you know it? And they swap houses. Is that this clip? And they're at Christmas time, so it's not really Christmassy, but it's love and Christmas. Anyway, I'll be quick. My, my parents make me watch that every year. Do, do they? Yeah. See? I love that movie. Uh, it's it's such a favorites. great movie, and the scene is so good. Kate Winslet has been cheated on by her boyfriend. She's gone to California, swapped houses, meets Jack Black's character. He's just been cheated on by his girlfriend, and she says to him, she's trying to give him all the reasons why it'll get better. And so she- Little pieces of your soul will finally come back. And all that fuzzy stuff... Those years of your life that you wasted. That will eventually begin to fade. Well, (laughs) you need this more than I do. (laughs) She's brought him a drink, right? Trying to help him through it. And he's like, well, that was just, that was just awful. That was awful. But they have great chemistry. It's a great movie. I love it. And. I'm glad that your family's making you do it, Russ. Yeah, yeah, it's the holiday and love actually are the two that uh, every year we got to get. (laughs) 
a couple more traffic notes here. Seeing Spotting one from Eric who says Highway 1 east of 12, completely snow covered. And a uh, reminder that we got a tip from Kevin as well that said lights flashing red at Highway 15 and 207. And we got a couple of cancellations to pass along here. We have buses canceled in Mountain View School Division. Schools are open. Buses canceled in Beautiful Plains School Division, but schools are open. All Rolling River School Division schools are closed. And several bus cancellations for in the DSFM, Division Scolaire Franco-Manitoba, École Saint-Wachin, École Saint-Lazare, École Régionale Notre-Dame-de-Lourdes, École Gerbe-Rosé, École Pointe-de-Chêne, École La Source-Shiloh, and École jour de plaine à Laurier. And you can get that list at cjob.com. We're updating it as we go. We have Jets tickets to give away right away. But before that, reminder, we're giving away Shania Twain tickets. November 7th, Canada Life Centre. We're asking you, what's your favorite holiday movie and why is it your favorite holiday movie? Yours was The Holiday. The Holiday, yep. Janice has launched a debate with her text. Did you see this? Okay. Die Hard, the original, is our Christmas much watch movie. Yep. They watch it every single year. They have all the Die Hard DVDs. They rotate watching one or two Others at Christmas, but the original is a classic Christmas movie. And that's yeah, that's launched debates right around the globe as to whether that's even a Christmas movie. I think Bruce Willis at one point came out and said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Yeah, I think... I, I'm In jest, pr- maybe he was doing it. I think he was doing it to, to continue the yes. debate because the writer of the, the film, the film's creators say it's a Christmas movie. And, and a, there's, a, there's a book about why people love Die Hard. And it's, <laughs> it says... Uh, of course, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, so, yeah, I, I of course it is a Christmas. They play Christmas music throughout. It's set at Christmas. And even as the, the burglars are pulling off the heist, they say it's a Christmas miracle. So how can you not say it's a Christmas? <laughs> all right. All right. So, but yeah, feel free to weigh in on that debate as well. It's one that we have all the time. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner for the Shania Twain tickets at 915. But in the meantime, the phone lines are open. We're taking call number five. For a chance to win Jets tickets for December 20th to see the Ottawa Senators. Call us now for a chance to win. It's time for the small town salute. And this snow is a welcome sight for many businesses right across this province. Not just for snow removal companies, but for snowmobilers, cross-country skiers, downhill skiers, and snowboarders. Which is why we're heading southwest of Winnipeg for our small town salute this week. We're going to the town of La Riviere to visit with the fine folks at Holiday Mountain. After extreme drought conditions forced the resort to announce a preemptive closure for the winter, a new team of owners say they're now going to open the slopes after all, and... I'm going to guess the snow feels pretty good right now. We're joined by General Manager Abe Sawatsky. Good morning, Abe. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for taking the time. I love your town. I like that resort there. I like the ski hill. And, and I, I'm hoping that you're getting the snow that we are, too. What's it looking like in your area? Yeah, we definitely are. And we are very excited and very happy for this snowfall. It's definitely been a blessing for us. And it's definitely helping us in our snowmaking uh, that we're trying to get to for uh, opening day. So what changed in the forecast that made your team realize you could run the hill this year? Um, I guess we just brought in all the manpower that we could and uh, just wanted to see uh, what kind of progress we could make. And uh, due to the hard work of all the guys, uh, all the local community stepping in, uh, pitching in wherever they could from tradesmen to farmers to just general public uh, stepping up offering their support and help Um, we made such great progress that we were like you know what Um, we really need to be open for the community there's uh, so little to do outside in the winter that taking something like this and uh, opening it up would be such a great uh, thing for the community and for the for manitoba Holiday Mountains, where one of my kids first tried snowboarding, and it's a great little spot, Abe. And I'm curious, beyond the snow, which is the obvious answer in terms of getting a hill ready, what else goes into it? Because you mentioned all the different people who are helping out. Are you clearing debris? Do you have stuff to get rid of? Do you build build onto the hill? I don't don't have a clue. (laughs) Yeah, so the snowmaking is definitely the big one. And then uh, there's stuff with the chalets, getting those all ready. We have a few... uh, a-frames, we call them for uh, sleeping accommodations, getting those all ready. 
Um, we have the the kitchens, getting those all ready, all the inspections that go with it. So there's a lot of stuff with the buildings to get them spruced up and uh, redecorated, and uh, we're repainting uh, this season, giving them a bit of a facelift. Uh, so there's a lot going on inside as well. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about the accommodations. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you got to get the sleeping accommodations ready. So if somebody's looking to to stay there, what can they expect in with their visit? Uh, we have 10 beautiful, uh, cute little A-frames, we call them. Um, they have two uh, twin beds, and uh, we use those as our rental accommodations, and so people can rent those uh, all winter long. And, uh, yeah, so if people want to stay over and do a weekend thing, those are available for rent. They're uh, just beautiful, cozy little things. It gives you just uh, a nice little uh, feel like you're in the mountains. I should have asked this off the hop, Abe, before we let you go. If we're trying to get to you, you're just a couple hours south of Winnipeg. No, what's the best way to, to get to La Riviere? Yeah, the easiest way is if you come down the 75 and then head west on the 14. And when you're on the 14, it turns into the number three once you get between Morden and Winkler. And then just keep going and you'll come right into La Riviere. So it's super easy. Just down the 75 and onto the 14 going west. Have you always lived there, Abe? I grew up uh, just south of Winkler, and so I as well uh, grew up coming to uh, La Riviere for school trips and uh, when I got into my 20s with groups of friends, and now that I'm married um, with all of our uh, married friends. And so, yeah, we're, we've been coming to the hill for a long time, and uh, we actually just moved this week to Morden um, just to get a little bit closer. And so, uh, yeah, we're very, very excited as a family to be a part of this. When are the slopes going to be open? We are shooting for December 26th. Everything looks like uh, that should be possible. So we're working really, really hard over the next uh, number of days. And uh, that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. All right. Well, General Manager Abe Sawatsky from Holiday Mountain, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I wish that I have skied more often. I've only done it a couple of times. And it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And it, when I had heard that they weren't going to be going, we, we we're going to try to get out there again this year. But it's only a couple hours from from here. It's only an hour and a half, I think, from where I live. It's so it's de- it's a decent drive, and there's not many other places to go. I know there's some stuff in and around Winnipeg, but if you're trying to get into skiing, particularly, you don't want to just hit the slopes of BC when it's your first time. That's yeah. terrifying. I mean, that's what I did as a kid. That's how we learned. It. We we had Minidosa Ski Hill, but by my first time, I think ironically was in the mountains. Oh wow! And uh, then then really got into it and love it. But we don't get to do it very often, and it's the kind of thing that you, once you I think once you try it. You just you're hooked. It's just a matter of access, and then you know affordability. Yeah, and uh, I, I I tried snowboarding once, but uh, I kept falling. No, kept I, falling on my butt. Mike, like I said, one of my one kids, he likes the skiing and the snowboarding, and he always says, "Try the snowboarding." And I just said, "You know, you get to a certain age where you're just not that interested in falling down that much, right?" <laughs> Like when you're little and you fall, you just pop right back up. But yeah. like I, if I fall skiing now, especially in the bush, it is like a debacle of me trying to get myself righted again. Yeah, that's a, it's funny you mention that. I fell the other oh, the couple weeks ago in my apartment. I, I don't know. I, I there was there was a puddle of water that had leaked out of my fridge, and I slipped on it. And I like I had to lie there for ten minutes. Because I was scared to move. Right. Like I, just, I don't want to make it sound old, but you're like six, five or whatever. That's a long way to go down. Yeah. And I'm only five, four, and that's not even true. It's probably five, two. And when I go down, like it's not, I'm not popping right back up. <laughs> it is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We've got the keys to the game with Ross Levitan coming up in our next segment. We'll do that just after 8.50. But right now we want to revisit a conversation we had earlier this morning, just after 6.30, because uh, this news, it's its another stark reminder that you never really know what people are going through. If you've ever watched the Ellen DeGeneres show, you probably know him. The popular DJ from Ellen's show has died by suicide. ABC's Alex Stone has more. Oh. 
he was a warm, smiling presence on Ellen's show, joining first as a guest DJ in 2014. Twitch, you want to know my favorite thing that we've added? What's your favorite thing, though? It's you. Known as Twitch, Stephen Boss rose to executive producer of Ellen. Over a decade ago, I met someone who changed my life and, and our show. And I'm talking about you, Twitch. Come here. He appeared on other shows as well, and on social media, he often posted dance videos with his wife. In a statement, she says Stephen lit up every room he stepped into, that he was a backbone of their family. Boss is survived by his wife and three children. He was 40 years old. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. You know, Twitch was a likable guy, talented guy. I remember him as a contestant on So You Think You Can Dance. He was a remarkable dancer, and he was just so much fun. Uh, he was one of those people who lit up a room, so when I saw that he died by suicide. I was just stunned. And we, of course, we we're not going to speculate on, on what happened or why it happened. But we did want to use that news to have an important conversation about suicide. Because, you know, especially this time of year, you know, it's a festive time for many, but for many others, it's a difficult time. So we discussed this uh, just after 630 with psychologist Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman. Yeah, we have some clips we want to play from you. Because, you know, what, what, as he said, I think, first of all, the point that it's not a good time of year for everybody needs to be acknowledged and recognized. And secondly, this idea that because someone presents a happy front or they always seem like they're in the good good mood doesn't mean you really understand what's going on inside their head or in their heart or in their soul. And so he had a number of things that he wanted us to consider. But we asked, you know, what are we supposed to do here when we see someone struggling? We want to reach out and help. But how do we know if someone's struggling? We often tend to talk about access to care, services, and while that's all important, what also needs to change is our culture and how we talk about mental health, and particularly we talk about men. We know that men are more likely to complete a suicide. We know that men are actually much more emotional than women in certain situations, um, but we just don't talk about it. There's no room for men to be who they're supposed to be. I work with a lot of men, uh, some who uh, are police officers, uh, who are known in many ways to be the machoist kinds of individuals, and there's no place for them to be human because we, in some ways, marginalize men and their emotions and what we expect out of them. Toxic masculinity is not just tied to men, it's tied to society and how we look at men and the room that we leave for men and boys to be human beings and to have emotions. And so I think... To answer your question, we need to really create room for men to have these conversations. Suicide is a very difficult thing to talk about, and we need to. And it is, in some cases, in some communities, an epidemic. So when we work to resolve those problems with suicide, we need to think that we're working not just for people like Twitch, but we're looking forward to other people as well too to to change the culture of men, mental health, and masculinity. Yeah, you know, part of the, the thing with, with guys is so many of us will show affection to each other by, like, razzing each other, like, just constantly sort of joking around. And often there won't be any serious conversations. So sometimes uh, I like to – I try to be that guy who will actually, like, go beyond that and ask questions. Like, uh, one year at the golf tournament – um, I, you know, I was walking up the fairway with one of the guys, and he had just had a kid, and he, but he wasn't talking about it. He didn't want to be that, you know, that dad who that's all he talks about. So I finally just said, "So, I was like, what's it like being a dad?" And he just his face lit Aww. up. He was like, "I love it. I love it, Brett, so much." And then he got to he got to go off for a couple of minutes on how awesome it is to be a dad and uh, not do it in front of everybody because they might make fun of him or whatever, right? So it's important for guys to be able to speak to their friends. Uh, Don't be afraid to talk to your friends. It doesn't have to be deep, probing questions, right? That's an example right there of how you're allowing someone an outlet to just be who they are. With a how is it like being a dad? You're not doing this always serious. So tell me really, how are you inside? I mean, that's a question you can ask too if you feel like someone needs to answer that. But sometimes it's just creating a space to talk and have those conversations. And I respect that there are all sorts of people struggling with mental health or or dark thoughts right now. It's not just men, it's women. But Dr. Raymond brought up men because studies from statistics that were out this summer, I think it's the Mental Health Commission, 75%, close to 75% of suicides in Canada every year are men. It's it's disproportionate amount, and there's a way we can talk about to try to bring that down if we just keep talking. And we asked Dr. Raymond, well, what can we do to help? Here was his answer. I think we'd be there for people. I don't think there's ever anything as too invasive when it comes to checking in on people. 
you know, uh, it's never too late to give a gift, as they say. And it's never a bad thing to check on people, double-check or ask them. We have a culture of wanting to be quiet and leave people's private business to be their private business. And, you know, a lot of times people are just looking for a place to be able to talk. Uh, and I would say especially that's the case for men uh, where they don't have that space. I reach out. I, I talk to my friends all the time. I, I make a point. And, and I wasn't always that way. The more I did this job, the more I realized I needed to be out there for the people in my life. And, and sometimes the people who aren't really involved, so to speak, in my life on a regular basis, but people I just touch base with. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have a saying in my culture that a smile is charity, a kind word is charity. And when we think about the psychological impact of that, it's actually quite profound. A simple, small thing like that can go a very long way. A smile is charity. I think that's true, right? We're kind of going in with our heads down in the world sometimes. And especially in winter, you've got that shoulders hunched up and you've got your face all covered and you're just kind of powering through the day. You're like literally your human snowplow plowing through life, just trying to get home, right? And then are you pausing to look up and, and give that smile, ask somebody how they're doing? I don't know. Like the, the, the little things become big things. And next week, I'm working on some stories on reunions and hugs and the power of touch, Brett. And the idea that, yeah, sure, not everybody loves a hug, but there's been studies that show the longer the better. And you'd think that that, heart, that long hug would be the awkward, it starts to get awkward, like, oh boy, we're in this for a long time. But they recently studied this and people were like, no, like, give me the 10 seconds, at least I want this. So we're, we're craving connection in a number of ways, I think, right now, particularly coming out of this pandemic, which is why there, there might be an epidemic concern of mental health because we sort of went inside ourselves for a couple of years. I like the long hugs. You like a long hug? Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> I have a friend who gives like supremely long hugs, like to the point you're like, Allison, I love you, but we're like, this is a minute in. <laughs> okay, not, not like, that it's long. Like, and it's a, good, it's a good one off the hop. And for the first 10, 15, you're like, yes. So kind of you melt into it like a bear. Yeah. And then you're like, is, where's this going? Like, should we lay down? Like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I but I love it. I, I think there's all sorts of ways, like the the eye contact, right? The smile, the the touch. Whether you, some people don't like it, I get that. Yeah. But there's ways to express yourself that show you care that might just change that moment for that person. Yeah, I mean, we we crave being touched, right? Even just a hand on the shoulder can go a long way. And we also talked to Raymond about mental health and suicidal thoughts. They're not just genetic. The way we approach this stuff is that we talk about it. We believe people when they say they're not feeling well. When they say they've been through things, we believe them. And suicide and mental health are not just tied to genetic issues. In fact, more and more the research is talking about how suicide and depression are tied to social issues and the circumstances that people face. And so when people say they're struggling, we need to believe them. And that goes from, you know, any average person in society right up to those psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health providers who often still won't believe that these things do exist when people say, I'm struggling. And instead, people will often say, well, they're being manipulative. There's never such thing. If somebody says that they're struggling, they're struggling. So pay attention if someone says they're, they're hurting, uh, because sometimes it, just talking about stuff is all people need to make that change to not go down the road they might be thinking of. I think we're too quick. It's the same way, you know, a kid physically, like when the kid falls and hurts themselves and you say, you're fine, you'll be fine, get up, because you're trying to just help them see that it's just a little cut or a little bruise and they'll be okay. But when, when it comes to coping with your mental health, what you might not have seen is there have been layers of those so-called cuts, like days or months or weeks where they've been struggling. And so when they, I, I feel like when a person comes to you and says they're not doing well, it didn't, it didn't just start that day. They've probably been struggling for a long time and then finally got the courage to say it. So to, to ignore a person or to not take it seriously when they come to you and say, I'm really not doing well, is that all of our peril? Because I really feel by the time a person puts up their hand for help, they've been probably screaming on the inside for quite some time. You can, by the way, if you need help, the Manitoba Suicide Prevention and Support Line is 1-877-330-6366. That's 1-877-330-6366. Another good resource is the Sarah Riel Warm Line, 204-942-9276. That's 942-9276 or sarahriel.ca. 
It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today. We're asking you at 204-780-6868, what's your favorite holiday movie and why for a chance to win yourself some tickets for Shania Twain coming to Canada Life Centre November 7th. Dad, hopefully you're listening. We had one uh, listener suggest, uh, say The Family Man. I know it's one of my dad's Which one's The Family Man? Is that with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's sort of like, um, I guess it's kind of like a Christmas Carol where he's shown an alternate version of what his life would have been like had he chosen path A instead of path B because he's a single rich bachelor with no fulfillment. And he gets to go back and see what his life would have been like had he stayed with this woman and had kids. That's a great movie. And I love, is it Tylo? Tylo Leone. She's great in that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what does Shane have here? This is neat, Loretta. This is a different spin. Shane says, our favorite Christmas movie is a homemade one. Every year, our family of four records our volunteer efforts. We record us delivering coffee and sandwiches to some of Winnipeg's homeless, sorting out food at harvest, collecting items for hampers, and making deliveries for the Christmas cheer board. We then watch the video after Christmas morning breakfast to remind us how fortunate we are and to not forget those that may not be so lucky. While there are always some laughs at our efforts, there is also a sense of empathy that keeps our kids and myself grounded. Merry Christmas, says Shane. Wow, that's neat, that's Shane. That's cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And this next one, not homemade, but certainly homegrown, Richard says, okay, I need to make this official. I think Violent Night is really my Christmas movie. I was shot in Winnipeg. And I don't know, Richard says, if it's just because in the first few moments you see an outside shot that is clearly Winnipeg, that got me excited for it, or the fact that I'm a huge fan of John Leguizamo, who was a surprise for me because I hadn't really seen any trailers. Santa plays the underdog who's just trying to finish his night delivering presents when he has to defend a sweet little girl and her family from John Leguizamo and would-be robbers. And there's the, the, the what will, I hope, go down in history as one of the classic lines of Christmas cinema when Santa says it's time to deliver some seeds. Seasons beating. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. I haven't seen it. Have you seen the whole thing? No, I haven't seen Just it Just the yet. trailer. I know yeah. we talked about it on Couch Potatoes a few weeks ago. And Richard's point about seeing Winnipeg scenes in films is hilarious. I don't know about you, but when I do watch a movie that was shot in Winnipeg yeah. or Manitoba, I'm overly excited. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, there's the Fort Gary. I drive by it every day. I know. Hey, but there's Man in Bannatine. It's so bizarre. Or like, that canola <laughs> field looks like it's just like the canola field south on 59. <laughs> like, it's a canola field. I don't know. <laughs> What but it's a, a Manitoba canola field. There was field. one time, I'm trying to remember the film, I said, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful scene, that field there. And my husband's like, you, like, look out the window. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, this looks really good. Like, this is amazing. I wonder where this was shot. And then hilariously, it was shot in a summer in Manitoba, like not far from where we live. And there I was remarking how on screen it was just so much more amazing. <laughs> It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling's off today. Producer Matt Abra in for Jeff Fortier. Thanks, Matt, for filling in. We have an important anniversary to acknowledge in a moment here, but a reminder that we are giving away Shania Twain tickets in our next segment for November 7th, Canada Life Centre, asking you, what's your favorite holiday movie and why? Leanne says, every Christmas, my daughter and I watch two movies together without fail. The Sound of Music. Yes. And Wizard of Oz. Okay. Not Christmas classics, I know, says Leanne, but it's the only time of year in the spirit of goodwill to all, I suppose, that my music major child <laughs> lets me sing out loud and very off-key to every song on the soundtrack. It's just too much fun, even better when a station airs the version of Sound of Music with lyrics and the bouncy ball to follow along. Have you seen that? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. Is that something you would uh, potentially enjoy? I might enjoy that. I get the singing out loud. It is fun to do that to the sound of music. And I think the sound of music is a Christmas movie, if only because it always seemed to play this time of year yeah. on stations growing up. Yeah. I'm not entirely, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I tried to get the kids into it a couple of years ago. It was basically a non starter. <laughs> I was like, come on, sing it with me. Like, do a deer. No. <laughs> Uh, so last chance tell us a story for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets in the meantime today is the 30th anniversary for our very own 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier 30 years at the Superstation 30 years three decades that he's been a voice on the station which is tremendous and what's really incredible about Richard is not just what he's done with his career and all the stories he's covered from many parts of this country, not just Manitoba. 
the people he's mentored along the way, but he comes in with passion every day Yeah, for multiple stories, multiple things we think he, he want, would like to work on. He's got his, he's got calls out all over the place all the time. He's always meeting with people. I mean, he's an incredible journalist and digger and he's in for it every single day. And I think that has us talking this morning about the idea of two things really. And let us know out there while you're listening. How many people do you know in your workspace have been around for 10 years, let alone 30? We, they talk about now that people will change jobs six, seven times, maybe even change careers you know, three, four, five times. And, and here he is 30 years later with that kind of dedication. And then often I think when people get 30 years in, you expect them to slow down. Yeah. And it's like he's done the opposite. <laughs> I mean, I actually can't. Actually, that's not true. I know he was. I remember running into him in the field, you know, 20 years ago, and he's always been on. But uh, he's still going. I know. I, I thought when I started working here 18 years ago, I thought I had a decent work ethic. And then I, and then I met the people I worked with, and, and Richard in particular astonished me with how hard he worked. Because as you pointed out, it's not just the work that he does in the building; he's constantly working outside of the building. And I don't know how he does it. And I, like you're, you're the same. You're, you know, I've, I've joked that you're a, a news terminator sent from the future. No, he, uh, but to Richard's going. Like he's having breakfast, lunch meetings. Breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, supper meetings. Saturday, he's sending out notes. He he joins Tom every Saturday morning. You know, it's in theory, it's his day off. But Tom Milroy, Richard will join that show every single Saturday for the last couple of years. He's always ready to come on. And if you say, Richard, would you mind hopping on at 6 a.m.? He's like, sure. <laughs> like, I think maybe he's even here. He could be here right now. It's supposed to be his day off. He's on vacation. But for all I know, he's out there sending out emails. Yeah. Well, he, he yeah. He, and I, I've, I've given him a hard time about that as well. Like, dude, you're on vacation. Knock it off already. But yeah, 30 years, it is incredible. And you're right to think of that kind of longevity in any sort of job, uh, because especially with the way the culture is changing now where people will say, well, I'm not I'm not happy here. I'm not getting what I need from this. I'm going to look for a change. And we've seen I mean, just in this building alone, we've seen a whole bunch of people uh, leave the building to to do something new, just entirely different like not going to a competitor or anything, just trying something new. Uh, and that's happening a lot more, but 30 years. Like even when I said out loud that I've been here 18 years, there's a part of me that still kind of considers myself the new guy. And yeah. it's because of people like because <laughs> of people like Rich who it's are just true. such titans in this industry. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Let us know at 204-780-6868. Maybe even like what's the longest you've, you've worked at a job? Um, and it's also unique, I think, for this this industry. Now, to be fair, it, I, I guess it's a little bit different because, because it's a news talk radio station. But on FM radio, for example, uh, we, we see people like hop around stations all the time because the radio stations make changes without warning. And uh, so I'm thankful for the, the security that, that I get here, I guess. <laughs> I was just trying to look for some career statistics because there are a lot of people who will say, you know, they throw out that number every year you hear the average person is going to change careers seven times. And then I'm now reading that there's not necessarily data to back that up, but people have done the math and the average person over their lifetime has worked 90,000 hours. 90,000? 90,000 hours. And so it, it counts for 13 years and two months of your life, like full years. That's it? Around the clock. I'm guessing that's what it must mean. Oh, Okay. You're past the date you'd change a career anyway. The average person changes their career at 39. So it's over for us. We're stuck. <laughs> We're just, that's it. <laughs> it's over. Don't even bother trying. I just turned 40. Oh, you missed the window, Matt. No. <laughs> you could have you could have done it last year, but you can't you can't. Yeah. You just you're here you are. It's over. Welcome. I'm stuck. I'm forever. Stuck. <laughs> uh so feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Jonathan weighing in on the Christmas movies says, I've been listening on and off this morning. I have not heard anyone say their favorite Christmas movie is a Christmas story. Hands down my favorite, mostly for the epic scene where Ralphie drops the hubcaps and utters the dreaded four-letter word that isn't fudge. Such a fun movie. Was there a remake up or a, a sequel? A sequel to that this year. Yeah, it came out uh, last month on HBO, so you can watch it on Crave. Thank you for the reminder. I have been meaning to watch that uh, because the Couch Potatoes are doing our Christmas special next week, so I figure I should check that out so I can weigh in on that. <laughs> 
am right across from you. Heard the music and didn't even think to read the re- weather there. <laughs> like, what is the matter with me? Even while you were talking, I was like, what's Brett talking about right now? And I put my headphone. I was like, oh, the weather. Right. That's my job. <laughs> well, yeah, is it? You're just excited about what we're about to do. We're about to award <laughs> Shania Twain tickets. November 7th, Canada Life Center. We're asking you about your favorite Christmas movies and why they are your favorite Christmas movies. And I just wanted to mention this before I forget, because earlier we had Kat and Gimli uh, saying that she likes the Muppet Christmas Carol mm-hmm. because her kids love it and it's become an annual tradition. But if you have ever seen or maybe haven't seen a Muppet Family Christmas just look for, you can find it on YouTube. It's like 45 minutes long. Uh, I don't know if it exists on video anywhere, um, but it, it unites. It, I think it's the one time that they united all of the Muppet factions. So it was the Muppets. Sesame Street was there. Mm-hmm. Fraggle Rock was there. Fraggle Rock, right yeah. down Fraggle Rock. Even the Muppet Babies were there. I don't know if you remember the Muppet Babies cartoon from when we were kids. And I think there's a new Muppet Babies I'm gonna cartoon. I'm going to have to watch this. It's amazing. I feel like I've seen it. When I or saw it when I was younger, but I'll have to watch that again. Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, of course, we got lots of votes here for the locally made violent night. We got a lot of people saying die hard, so people enjoy their Christmas violence. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Couch Potatoes for years have declared Die Hard the ultimate Christmas movie. Um, but we get the, the, here's one for the classic. Patrick says my favorite holiday movie is and always has been It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Probably the most corny movie ever made, but I watch it every Christmas Eve. No one in the family can stand it. And even Jimmy Stewart hated it, but it became a classic and had just its 75th anniversary last year. Coincidentally, the same time COVID was surging, and again, we were unable to share the holiday with loved ones. To me, it epitomizes what the holiday is all about. Not what we have, but who we have in our lives oh, to all a safe nice. and healthy holiday. Patrick, thank you for that. And one of our listeners said this morning they agreed with... The film I picked, so I like to point that out, was the only one. But The Holiday with Jude Law and Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet and Jack Black. It's a cute movie. I didn't mind it. You know what? I I think uh, I'm pretty sure I quite enjoyed it. Tough not to enjoy something with that terrific cast. So that might be something to revisit. But this one is cool. This is our winner. Neela says, my favorite Christmas movie is... Hey, Griswold. (laughs) Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. (laughs) National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. The reason being is that back in the 80s and 90s, my parents had a Christmas lights display that was the largest in the city. Helicopter tours, bus tours would come and people would walk around the yard and enjoy the lights. And every now and then something would burn out or the breaker would go. They, uh, they had special breakers installed from Manitoba Hydro just for Christmas lights. Some of our neighbors would think we were crazy with all these bright lights, but it was a time that brings me back some really good memories as a kid. People still talk about the Christmas lights today just like they do the mo- in the movie. And the scene that would have been like her home, I'm guessing, is the one when Clark Griswold spends hours putting up Christmas lights, can't get the lights to work. He's fiddling around with the different cords. There's about there's a scene where there's, I think, 17 different plugs yeah. going into the wall. Clearly wouldn't be fire code. And then the lights finally, finally, finally go on. Everybody come out quick for the lights! <laughs> So you can see the meter dialing up there. That's the noise of the hydrometer just going. And then some, someone at a hydro plant somewhere is like, oh, my God, there's more power going out to this one house than there is the whole city. And he puts out the lights in the whole neighborhood. But, man, that house looks fabulous. I wish I had seen Neela's house. Yeah. And it, for those, you probably, like, I've been there. I, Neela, thank you for this text because my parents took us out when we were kids. Cloutier Drive at St. Norbert. And they say, Neela says, we had thousands of visitors a day. And every night my parents would stand outside and hand out candy canes. And when the bus tours came, my girlfriend and I would dress up as elves and go on the buses to hand out candy canes to the seniors. So that's awesome. Oh, wow. So, Neela, thank you I for that. It. You're going to Shania Twain.